0: Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed.
3: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Cues of the Force. Quotidian of the Force. No, Questions of the Force. We've got questions and we've got some answers, but we have even more A's as well. I'm Joseph Scribshaw.
4: I'm Ken Navzug. You know more Q words than me. I'm going to study up on <laughs> Q words. Um, but hey, we got answers.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I know most words of uh, from villains like Doctor Doom saying them in comic yeah. books, and I had to be like, "What is this?" And my mom and dad would be like, I, "I, I don't, I don't know. You got to look that one up in the dictionary, kid. Sure. I don't know. what Diddy and means." Uh, anyway, uh, happy memories of of a youth full of Doctor Doom dictionary. Anyway, uh, one of the A's that we want to share is Audible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We are continuing to recommend Battle Scars by Sam Maggs, a book that is continuing the adventures of Cal Kestis, Marin, and friends. Uh, I assume we haven't read it yet, but we're looking forward to it. And if you want to give it a listen and help us out, you can download a free audiobook today by going to audibletrialcom forcenter One more time—that's forcenter for a free audiobook. Our third a, no, hey, I lost track. Of my a's. Our second a, the third a is answers. Our second a, Ken, is mm-hmm. asks. You want to take this one?
4: I do. I got this a. I got it down, Pat. Hey, folks, we are asking you to maybe consider. If you want to find in your heart, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com/forcecenter. This is a great way to support us directly; keeps uh, keeps the show going, which is a good catchphrase. But like I always joke, Joseph and I will do this show if we're recording in some tin cans in a bunker. All right, don't worry about that. But it helps uh, us accomplish some wonderful things, set goals, and reach them. And one of those things recently was Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast. The first episode dropped on Monday, March twentieth. It's exclusive to Patreon members now and any level. It will go to the public. We will let you know about that. It goes to the public after Dial of Destiny. we got this great series that we're in the middle of recording. Uh, so if you want to join us on the journey to Dial of Destiny, aka Indie 5 uh, in late June, um, well, that's just a, that's a great way to do it. Also, we have this new goal. The a, a, a working title is Jennifer Landa's YouTube series Because, uh, you know, she has some choices uh, Back in the day, here's a long story short Back in the day when the podcast started Jen did this wonderful series of shows called Jedi Beat And that kind of morphed into another wonderful idea Which, by the way, was an early Patreon goal Happy Beeps yeah. And these are wonderful mini docs, NPR meets Star Wars. It's Jennifer just, I think, at her absolute best. Some of the best stuff produced here for the podcast. And if we reach this goal of $2,000 a month, we're oh so close, we are going to be able to take that and and reinvest back into the podcast and uh, the channel by uh, converting, taking those old uh, episodes that, I mean, 2015, they're hard to find, and repurposing (laughs) as uh, video docs, Jen's really excited about not just pictures over them but other things she might do she might re-record some things she's uh, thrilled and um, in order to make this happen we're asking us uh, asking you to help us uh, reach our goal over on patreon.com/force center that's a lot to the ask Joseph it's a big <laughs> a but hey that's-
3: it is uh, an important one to us it will really help us uh, do more and keep going uh, with his support and, and create uh, new things as well. We have a ton of uh, of very generous supporters, long-term generous supporters, but a thing that's been uh, making me happy is I've been seeing uh, people jump in at $2. We want it to be a community. We have almost everything that we offer <laughs> is available to everybody because we want it to be a community. So we're really happy to see more people joining that Patreon community, getting access to the Discord where you can have uh, safe, fun, friendly chats about Star Wars. Hey, speaking about chatting about Star Wars, we've got some cues to A. Shall we dive in? Oh, I'd love to Q and A or A a Q. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's A a Q. Uh, we have two questions from Twitter and two from, hey, our patrons on Patreon, as always. We're going to go first to Twitter. This comes to us from Victor. Uh, Victor says When I read the Alphabet Squadron trilogy, I struggled with Mon Mothma's dismantling the Rebellion fleet. So the New Republic would not have its own fleet. In Mando's last episode, we have The Confirmation. What are your thoughts on her ultra-pacifism in this convulsed period? Uh, That's the question. I should add some context that we have a couple of questions that are along these lines. A lot of really great questions being raised by that most recent episode of The Mandalorian with the, the push into telling the story of the era the story of the New Republic, where they might have gone uh, right, where they might have gone wrong. And uh, I'm happy to dive into it. It's also kind of fascinating territory, Ken, and I want to start here. Mm -hmm. I think that um, a lot of the decisions that the New Republic made, we have a question later about sort of the, uh, the history of people on Coruscant's alignment (laughs) with different Mm -hmm. organizations. Uh, This stuff is fascinating to talk about because it really is Star Wars, but Mm -hmm. it is also the heart of what, Lucas started Star Wars as is Mm -hmm. fun mythic tapping into all sorts of tales but also young fiery political George Lucas's opinions about how government should and should not work so Mm uh I I just want to be aware of like uh, some of the stuff we're talking about is definitely analyzing Star Wars but it's hard also to not talk about without starting to tip into Mm -hmm. what do we think a government should do
4: Mm mm-hmm how do you
3: feel about that balance as we're getting into that that this great nuanced storytelling of the New Republic and the choices and how much of it feels to you like Star Wars and how much of it starts to feel to you like um, reflecting personal philosophy of militarization and things like that?
4: This one specifically is a wonderful challenge to me where I, I look at it from both ways. And I have since the aftermath novels where a lot of this stuff was kind of first introduced the bloodline novel as well i think more specifically because because leia and mothman's relationship was explored there alphabet squadron as well so it's been around for a while and and you know i agree with you it it, it's gonna bleed over Uh, i think george wanted it to bleed bleed over even not in specific ways he didn't need you to you know spit the name nixon out of your mouth in 77 but he wanted you to think stuff about the real world (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you learned that definitely was there, so it always comes up. Uh, we do like to preface it a little. Of course, we also should say, you know, this episode coming out after the next episode of Mando, so maybe Mon Mothma stands up. Maybe we get Genevieve O'Reilly and Mando <laughs> after four. She goes, "Let's go to war," and everything's uh, tossed aside there. But uh, yeah, no, um, I'm ready to dive in uh, to the complicated waters.
3: Yeah, let's dive into the complicated waters and uh, acknowledge that they're complicated, but still have some fun splashing mm-hmm. around. Um, one thing that I wanted to, to look up is uh, my own understanding of the New Republic's fleet. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is a great uh, clarifying content on uh, on Wikipedia, uh, which reaffirms some stuff that that we've read in books. But it's it's been a while uh, and is in The Force Awakens. Here's what they say about the New Republic defense fleet. 30 years after the Battle of Endor, it was still the largest military force in the galaxy, but mm. nevertheless was a fraction of the size of the Republic Navy during the Clone Wars. A substantial portion of the Starfleet was stationed in the Hosnian system when the system was targeted and destroyed by the First Order Starkiller Base super weapon. Hundreds of cruisers and frigates were destroyed during the attack crippling the new republic defense forces uh wikipedia also discusses how like yeah there are absolutely you know fighter pilots like uh, the great jaw C striker <laughs> mm-hmm. um you know and hey that's poe's whole story he gets trained by wedge in the new republic you know defense fleet um that the fighter pilots defense fleet exists so the question in the new republic era is the scale Of it And the way it's being deployed. And I think that's also the story that that Leia is saying, hey, there's this rising threat and we are not set up to respond to it correctly. Uh, So I wanted to give that information to kind of frame our conversation. Now, let's
4: finally get to some A's. I want to hear your thoughts. First of all, that's a great info, because if you just pass through this conversation, it is kind of like, well, why did Mothma completely gut the military? That's not the case. You just said it. There's a fact. It's still... The largest out and about is just a fraction of what it was. So I'll start here. Uh I'll dump uh, dump 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 it all on the table like puzzle pieces we're gonna put together. Philosophically, I have always agreed with it once it was introduced. I really get what Star Wars, it's it's quite a statement from Star Wars, this thing, this tension you always talk about, uh, Star Wars, and 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 it's cool, it's pew- pew pew, but it might be you know warning against it at times or analyzing why why we got those wars, and that's fair. Uh, so for me, it, it, it makes sense when I pull back and separate a little bit from my own realities. Cause my gut reaction, obviously some of my background or job or even points of view from days gone by, I, I, I didn't necessarily agree with it. It's kind of this, well, who else is out there? Uh, why would you do that? You just went through all this stuff. And then I think if I separate that and pull back and put myself in Mon Mothman's shoes as best I can. Um, I don't. I couldn't feel them. She, she's way better than me. But, uh, you know, <laughs> looking at it from a perspective, they, they they form, remember, even just the clones. The clones are a military creation act, right? It's my mm-hmm. product of that. Uh, forget the seifo of it all and the Palpatine of it all. Just that that's what the vote was. So it, to me, this grand army didn't necessarily exist until then in different forms. We've got systems with their own uh, maybe forces, all that. And so the purpose of that, once the civil war uh, happens is, is to overthrow Palpatine. They do. So mission accomplished in a way, let's pull back. It is a, a, to be me, a message of hope that I can get behind. Um, maybe you can look at it from, uh, all right, we don't need this grand army as much as we did in, in the past. Uh, I know that's the grand army of the Republic, but uh, you know, so there's more power responsibilities to the individual systems, uh, and maybe that's part of the statement the galaxy needed like hey we all came together for this we want to uh and i know now, now it sounds like we're getting into states rights and federal rights <laughs> and real, real world's blending pretty too fast um but this idea of we're not going to war stand down a bit uh raise a fist get a fist all those type of, type of philosophies i think what i when i just pull back from my own fear just a key word, right? If I'm in the galaxy mm-hmm. and we just went through this and I go oh uh, the, 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 no we need it. we need a new Republic Navy. Who knows what else is out there? Uh, once I release myself from that, I can get behind what Mothma saying and what Mothma baby did at this point in the Star Wars
2: story. mm-hmm
3: No I'm, I'm really in agreement with you I think you know it is the the alliance to restore the Republic for the vast majority of its time. the Republic had the Jedi. Uh, but they didn't have a standing army. They were brought together by unity and common purpose. That's mm-hmm. the goal of stronger together. If we all work together, it's always hard. There's always going to be bumps. There's always going to be, you know, one one system of planets needs this, but the other system of planets can't abide that. And you got to figure it out. And like, that's that's government, that's living together. It's always going to be there, but we can all try to be together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, versus this uh what the empire did of uh the government isn't the citizens uh the government is palpatine and he will end you if Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. uh if you defy his government and that's what that fleet was right Mm -hmm. um it was there to take what palpatine wanted it wasn't there to actually defend anyone Mm um and i think so, so I think Mothma's perspective of we do not need to retain this level of militarization mm-hmm. is the general, we need to show the galaxy immediately that we are not the Empire. You know, there, there's so many great uh, rumblings of that in The Mandalorian where where different characters, particularly characters on the fringe, are afraid it's just going to be the same. Right. So she's trying to show it is not the same. I am not a dictator. Uh, Some of these decisions are not going to be entirely what I want. They're going to be compromises because I'm not Mm -hmm. a dictator. Um, So there's that immediate, what is Mothman thinking in that moment, in those moments in that era? It really makes sense to me. And for me, it does make sense to the general, larger perspective of Star Wars. And I go exactly where you did to the prequel into uh, Padme is almost this sort of a. of beacon almost this mm. this voice of the, here's how you thread the needle you want to know how to thread the needle let's look at padme right yes um the plot of attack the clones is padme and other people trying to stop the military creation act saying yep they're separatists they have they have stepped away they don't want to be a part of this there's even violence but mm. if we just totally respond with even larger violence, it's just going to escalate and escalate and escalate. It is presented to us, the audience, is a failure that the military was created at that level. It, the conflict that Palpatine is, is able to spur on spreads mm. horror of all kinds uh, through the galaxy, pain and suffering. Uh, mm. Padme, in the animated series Clone Wars, tries to restart negotiations, tries to stop more money being given for the creation of army and clones right Mm -hmm. um so i think there's this idea in star wars that absolutely you you raise a fist to the galaxy you'll get a fist back yeah that isn't saying let's just lower all of our defenses (laughs) let's roll over and show all threats our belly and just hope that everybody will you know join hands and sing
4: Mm-hmm.
3: that's not who padme is i think what's mm-hmm. different i think that to me where the idea that that comes in is pacifism somewhat lowered defenses not a fist should be the starting point and then the spirit of defense you react to a specific threat padme is going around the galaxy you know trying to have negotiations, trying to talk peace. The Phantom Menace is her going to the Senate and saying, can we please find a way to resolve this? Mm. Okay, then I'll go get my blaster because I'm responding to this specific threat that is real. It is not paranoia. It's not a manipulation. The Trade Federation is enslaving and torturing my people. I will respond to this specific threat. You know, Mothma, Leia, the galaxy raised the rebellion in response to the specific threat of the empire. And so to me, the way I'm taking the New Republic era storytelling as it comes is Mothma's big decision, in my opinion, is the correct one. De-escalate, try to work together. Yeah. The question is, when specific threats did emerge, Mm -hmm. were those threats not responded to well by the New Republic? And that I think is the story of Leia and the story of the sequel trilogy era of like Leia's all all about, yeah, let's, let's deescalate. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I know that in the book she, she wrestles with it and all that, but then there's still that real practical, like deescalation is the goal working together is the goal. But if there's a specific proven threat, we need to be ready to to respond to it. I I know I'm going on a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a delicate thing. And, and that's the thing for me is like, I, I, I think that we should try to work together. We should not fall into being manipulated by the fear of an alleged ta- attack that we don't know is coming that we mm-hmm. don't know is real. Cause it's such an easy way for leaders to manipulate people of like, get your yeah. guns out. Cause something's coming for you. It's so easy to manipulate people's fear that way. I've fallen victim to that uh, at times yeah. in my life. So I I think you should be responsive and willing to you know defend when the need for defense is
4: clear and real. It, it, look at Satine, right? Even even Kenobi's got some questions of uh, you know it, it's banter more than anything. But I thought you were a pacifist. Yeah. Well, no. Yes. Yes. But we're currently being shot at. I have to deal mm-hmm. with. It. I have to deal with that. Uh, and that's and it's and this is so e- easily manipulated. And Victor's got this great question about it. Victor, you just opened mm-hmm. up more of conversation, but like you could easily point at a Padme, Mon Mothma, uh, Satine, any of those kind of characters. Because look what they did on Mandalore. Of of oh, you're you, you, you're trying to take away who we are, uh, our culture, our weapons, our religion, all those things that we we celebrated in, in terms of uh, Mando and great quotes and stuff like that. It's easy to 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 attach so much to her that she's not saying talking about Satine, um, about changing our outlook, changing our perspective. It is about change. And and, and, and there's that, that, again, even I have it, uh, the position of fear. Again, I was in public safety. And you go, uh, every time you step out of your office, you are looking for a threat. And there's some realities to that. There's, cause mm-hmm. there, there are crimes real, threats are real. Uh, the realities of war, realities of of, of dictators in the world, that people who want to abuse, that's all real. But I think it's so easy to say, I can only do that, or I can sit back and, and and, and wait. Right. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to just be binary with it, uh, where I think Mothma is, is hey, we we realized our goal. We, we won. Um, let's not go forward with this and, and create this, you know, Star Wars military industrial complex that just grows, grows, grows <laughs> to, to secure people, people's power. I think of, uh, you know, you, you sleep under the, the blanket of freedom I provide and then question the way I provide it uh, is a great line from a great movie. But it also, when you pull back from it, that is just a, a how dare you question my my position and my power and, and mm-hmm. the why, why I'm doing it. It's so easy to do that. So it's so easy to manipulate all this stuff, which is why Mothma to me is even just even more of a fascinating character, particularly after what we've now seen in Andor, exploring a little bit more of a character. Um so it is. I think I'm jumbling it all up too, and just putting it all on the, all on the table. But I love love what you're saying. Of of, I guess you could. Is the bumper sticker thing, Joseph? Don't 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 miss. You know, understand my kindness as weakness. Is that just what <laughs> uh, it is. I think so.
3: I th- uh, to me, yes, it is. It, it it's similar with like I think what. The, Filoni always tells the Lucas story of the interview of here's how a Jedi negotiates. They put the lightsaber on the table. Right. Is like, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: I think that is also about like, don't mistake. Yes. My kindness for weakness of let's try everything else first, but I also want you to know I'm not a pushover, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and something that truly needs to be fought will be fought. And, And I feel like that is, we don't know the full story of the new Republic yet. You know? Yes. We only have these bits and pieces. Um, Mm-hmm. and it that seems to me like what mothma is trying to 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 be of like we still have a military the largest in the galaxy we've named it a defense fleet so it's, it's clear that this is a de- defend from you know mm-hmm. it, a, any in an external threat this isn't a you know we're not going to send a defense fleet uh you know mm-hmm. to ryloth because we want more space wheat now you know yeah. yeah um this is about us it's a defense fleet it's still the largest in the galaxy it's mm-hmm. still it is the an obstacle that needs to be wiped out before the First Order can move. Yeah. Um, probably wasn't enough in that scenario. But you also have the other side of, of Mandalorian that I think maybe some people aren't, um, that it can be easy to overlook. The New Republic is also presented as a, you, you do not bleep with them, right? I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. you could almost look at the the season one episode, the prisoner and go, are they over the line on aggression, right? Of, hundred percent. oh, hey, yeah, looks like they're launching a ship you know a it's like yeah. you you trigger one alarm on a prisoner ship the x-wings are coming and there's no attitude from any of those characters that like you no know, the mon mothma's little flower children are going to show up here and give us a lecture about <laughs> kindness right it's uh. they're going to blow the bleep out of us right <laughs> and and they yeah. don't go in they don't go in blasters blazing but it takes very little provocation to like well bye then yeah yeah so there's a lot going on with the new Republic. And I think what we're seeing, the storytelling we're seeing is this push and pull between maybe even an overreaction in that episode. <laughs>
4: no, you it, know? Yeah. 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 Do, to
3: they're not doing, are they doing enough? Are they doing too yeah. much? And I think that's the story we're seeing right now is, is uh, the, mm-hmm. these flares in both directions.
4: I love that. You know, Trapper Wolf's like, let's go uh hand ran at, and, uh, and uh, um what, what's his name? The brother, a uh, uh, Quinn, uh, uh a pamphlet so you want to be at peace now like we're not doing that we, we wiped them out no like
3: we're yeah so there's the and that's that's the you know the new defense uh the new
4: republic defense fleet doing its job you know yeah yeah no one of the, my favorite things uh, about this conversation you've said so far is, is is the padme of it all as is we should all we should all turn to padme one of the key characters in star wars we really do believe that around these parts and exactly what you're saying it, it it's 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 when the threat arises, we deal with that threat and that's the end goal here. And, and then you pull back from that, right. And and Mm -hmm. you find ways to deal with it there. You find ways to keep people safe. And then I think that Mothma clearly influenced by Padme, um, whether it's um, directly expressed in, in, in content or not, she, she clearly has been. And so I think that's where this, this has started. We, 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 we did what we set out to do. We can't, uh, you know. We have to look at it different. We have to change um, the culture. Otherwise, you do have what you have in Mandalor. You do have Death Watch. You do have people who identify um, with symbols of power and violence as a form of power. And if you don't separate yourself from that, you don't work to separate from yourself. That that could be the just destructive, uh, you know, poison that seeps in. And I think that's all all tied back to some of that Padme and Satine stuff.
3: Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And I think it's really fascinating. And, you know, I, this will probably uh, continue to come up, but I think we're, we're also just getting the, a big story of a big era from a different perspective. It's a different kind of storytelling. We, we're being given breadcrumbs at the beginning and at the end. And there's mm-hmm. so much that we still don't know. Um, whereas like say the, the prequel trilogy, um, what happened it's in the, prologue of the novelization of Star Wars you know right Um, and then we see the prequel trilogy and there is complexity to it and there is nuance to it but at the end of the day Palpatine manipulated the galaxy he got people to successfully fear another and think strength was the only answer and he got them to Mm -hmm. applaud for handing over their their own freedom so we can look at that story and go we know what happened we know the players we know who to blame you know Palpatine. We know we know Padme and Bale are the heroes, and they're looking around at all those other senators and said, "He did it. He suckered you. He got you to do, believe in something, support something that isn't good for you in the long run." Yeah. We don't have that clarity with the New Republic story. Like we've got guesses. You know, people mm-hmm. have had some great responses to us on uh, Twitter and on on YouTube, really connecting the dots to the the centrist and the populace uh, in the New Republic. I'm having a lot of fun imagining like that the amnesty program is a compromise that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there, there oh, are people man. who are saying like, we gotta, and, 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 you know, there's stuff in this, in the books, that Alex on Star Wars Explained has a great video on the amnesty program, but, you know, if you imagine it is, um, okay, well, some people in the government are really advocating for, we need to give people in the empire a, a chance to come back to it, and then other people are hardliners and go, yeah, but they're criminals, so they can, uh, not fine, fine, fine. You you can do your touchy feely. Let's all heal BS, but yeah. we're going to do it with numbers and we're going to do it with keeping them in a box on Coruscant. And mm. you can see that as a compromise, but everything I just said is headcanon. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're not getting to see the story. We're not in the room with the new Republic yet. We're not in those Senate debates. We can't, we can't, as viewers look and go, I agree with Mothma. I disagree uh, with, uh, you know, Noah
4: Jebel, <laughs> or whoever else is making these bad decisions. Some castor foe or whatever. Yeah. Okay.
3: So it's a really fun, really, really fun time to discuss because we don't have the full story. But it's also a dangerous time, I think, because we don't have the full story yet. And it's easy for us to jump to conclusions. And it's easy for us to pick out certain characters and blame them when we don't know yet. We haven't, we don't, see, we don't have the full story the way we have the full story of the collapse of, the uh, Republic.
4: This might spin us off into an entire other discuss- discussion. Discussion uh, with the the third chapter of Mandalorian. Of just, I, I I think you and I both had a little, I don't know, trepidation about how some of the. You could you could form some opinions and theories on what it was saying about the New Republic at that point. in The timeline, all of them, which were very valid lessons about learning. Did they learn? Uh, why do they get the mind flared? Are they the Empire? You know, but the story's not done yet. And if you're not careful with how you're explaining it, or you're not careful with how you're explaining your feelings about it, I think you could really uh, slag off the New Republic as all the same. Slag off Mon Mothma as as being a part of the problem more than the solution. And we're just not. I love your idea. But we're just not done yet. Let's get to it all. There's some stuff, some some themes there that are without a doubt there, especially in that third chapter. Mm -hmm. I've just seen a lot of discussion around that too, but uh, oh, dumb new Republic. Time out, time out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it is a failure, but we
3: we haven't been given the evidence yet of who is making the choices. Who do we agree with and who do we disagree with? And, and I think it's common, right? Because I think there's, so much going on, even with that more recent quote with Filoni. We are recording this before we saw the most recent episode of Mandalorian, so who knows? Um, maybe that'll just be an, an hour of Grogu eating soup, uh, <laughs> learning to enjoy different Mandalorian soups. We don't know, but I'm excited to talk about it. We got more of this coming up. We'll have more of this coming up, but I also want to talk about it carefully because we don't know the full story yet. Love that. All right. uh, That's just our first question. We'll knock out these other ones real quick. Uh, I'm joking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next question comes to us from Twitter as well. Darth Pundit, (laughs) which is a great name. That's great. Uh, Darth's question is uh, sort of thematically connected. He says, Shields. I'm a sucker for energy shields in Star Wars from the squad shields in Battlefront 2 to the henchman shield wall in Book of Boba Fett to the Mandalorian gauntlet shields in Clone Wars. And recently, the Mandalorian Season 3 Bo-Katan's shield-lightsaber combo was amazing. Here's the question. Would it be weird for a Jedi to use a shield along with a lightsaber? Makes sense conceptually, always for defense, but more of a European knight than samurai aesthetic. And for some reason, it feels a little off. What's more important? Function or vibes?
4: (laughs) Uh,
3: I love (laughs) this question. Ken, where do you go with function or vibes and and shields for the Jedi? I
4: feel like we're shopping for a new car. Do you want something (laughs) functional or just want a vibe, man? This (laughs) is a great question. Ah, man, I love the Force Center listeners, our Force Center friends. They just go to such wonderful places. My my initial reaction is, yeah, God, it would be off. I've never really thought about that. But that... Mm -hmm that bleep ain't right. Like that wouldn't look right. Cause I love, I love the, you know, Bo-Katan's had that stuff in animation and live action. It looks so good. And that it just works for the Mando vibe and the function, right? The Mandalorians uh, are, are high tech, even though we've learned there's a lot of spirituality and, and culture or the armor of it all uh, to that weaponry. Um, I it just, it just fits. And on the other side, you got the Jedi. It, it just, it, it, it thematically, you're absolutely right. Darth Monday. It totally works. It just, it, it, it wouldn't work for me just straight away i think you would have to find ways to do it but we can get into that in a second i propose group shields for jedi where maybe it's just a shield bubble for all not just for me i'm sharing the shields (laughs) no i
3: like that i like that a lot um i i think for me to just directly answer darth pundit's uh, question about function or vibes for me at the end of the day in star wars it's vibes
4: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> uh, it's vibes and meaning, right? This is one of those questions where, like, if you really look at it and be like, okay, well, if it's it, like Darth, saying, it's saying, like, if it's defense, like, yeah, you got your your lightsaber, mm-hmm. but yeah, get a shield too. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, it, this is one of those. Tie fighters make noise in space. That's where I start. Like right, in right, the right. cold vacuum of space, they wouldn't scream. But you know what? It's vibes. It's cool that <laughs> yeah. they scream. It is. Meaningful that it, it is the hell scream of a predator coming for you. Yeah. Um, it, and I think with the sort of the logic of the Jedi just having lightsabers, it's about vibes and meaning. You know, mm. I think, um, I, I have been uh, coveting a uh, Macquarie stormtrooper concept action figure. Uh, I looked at one, and now EBA is sending me these seven tempting emails a day. Going, are you sure you don't want this? Um, <laughs> <it's> a, <laughs> the great Macquarie concept: stormtroopers with the with the shield and the lightsabers. And you know, clearly there was a there was a design moment where Star Star Wars was at least uh, possibly. Let's treat this more like European knights, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm sure knights from other places well. They're all everybody's got a sword and a shield. It's just these are. Yeah. These are laser swords. And then at some point it shifts to like, no, the lightsaber is more special than that. Mm-hmm. It's more meaningful. And I think it, it's vibes and it's meaning. It, it, and, and Darth Pondin is, I think, acknowledging this in, in the question really well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that the shield would diminish the lightsaber. Uh, th- right. For the Jedi, it is the one weapon, often the one single possession of the Jedi, it's not just a weapon; it's a symbol. It's a symbol of hope, but also for the Jedi, I think it's a a, a symbol of commitment in skill. If you're yeah. gonna pick, anybody could pick. Han picked it up and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, tauntun, yeah. and that's right, and made a made a fun bed for Luke real quick. Yeah, uh, yeah. some some kids get race car beds. <laughs> Luke gets a daunt on <laughs> bed, right? <laughs> lots of people maybe not the dark saber but maybe other sabers people can pick up and slack and hash right or yeah. other way around <laughs> hack and slash. slash um but for a jedi it's with skill commitment training this weapon is a shield it's mm-hmm. every bit as good as yeah. a, a shield a, a shield is a shortcut to what pouring our devotion into this blade and should be. And to me, that's its vibes and meaning.
4: No, Great, great as always, and I like that, that final big point there of uh, <laughs> not that I want Jedi to shame and bully people, but like, <laughs> oh, you got a shield? What are you, not good with your saber? Like, what are you doing over there? What are you doing over there? Because um, essentially, uh, if you're connected to what's going on, right? Connected to the blade, connected to the moment, feeling everything around you. Yeah, it is, it is your shield. So I love that view as well. But I'm still pitching, all right, what if it has a shield on the handle <laughs> that up. yeah no i like
3: that i like that
4: so i
3: i'm sorry go ahead
4: no no no, no. yeah i don't want to undercut any of the, of the beautiful things you said there uh, uh just think it'd be kind of kind of funny you know ezra made his own little blaster one there because i remember there was quite a reaction even ezra with that one like oh what do you need a little blaster from your lightsaber but i actually like that lightsaber i gotta, gotta confess
3: I, I like that one too i like it a lot and then you know and the inquisitors use their blade as the, like the big spinning shield right uh it's mm-hmm. spinning it enough that it's blocking everything um okay. so i love i love that as the core idea of like yeah the, the, we don't need a shield the blade is the shield um but that said i this shield stuff is interesting and cool and i love the the mandalorian you know history that they're shields that we I think we saw Paz Vizsla use one as well but you know with Mm Bo-Katan we really got to see it in action live action in combo with the dark saber which was really cool and did evoke Mm -hmm. these classic knight-like images um but I love that those shields exist uh at least in some Mandalorian's uh history in opinion as a counterbalance to lightsabers you know totally um so so they do have a connection to lightsabers uh is awesome and even with everything I've said with the Jedi, I'd be fascinated to see eras of Jedi or specific Jedi who bucked the system. And it's like, hey, take me on with the lightsaber. I'm I'm the I'm the best you're gonna find. I still find a shield handy. <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah. stand on ceremony here. You know.
4: I, I I think our minds went to similar spots. I, I would like to see a time period. Uh, you know, High Republics is kind of big general term right now, but I think maybe even before that, where. Uh, you know, maybe the lightsabers aren't as developed yet, right? Maybe the, the Kyber's there, but maybe the tech is a little different. Those power packs we've seen in the, the legend stuff, right? Uh, which was like me running a VCR in my video production class in high school. I'd had camera <laughs> and a VCR literally hanging on my uh, back there. Uh, but maybe a t- time where these, uh, you know, looking at the the classic, uh, you know, I know it's a uh, you know, European night, and, and you're right. There's there's knights of all kinds everywhere. But what Darth it's kind of invoking here, that image of uh, – I love, I love Jedi as like hedge knights roaming the land, looking for a place to put their heads, a, a tree to sleep mm-hmm. under, but also helping those in need in these little villages, these planets, these systems. And maybe it would just fit the aesthetic more Then yeah, I, I could get behind that. Maybe they even have a little armor for their heads, you know, so, see some some shields, uh, a cape, mm-hmm. uh, definitely a glorious cape, ride a space horse. Maybe I do just want medieval <laughs> Star Wars.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think in some ways the sort of images of the Clone Wars of them getting the uh, the clone armor, you know, which is mm-hmm. powerful to us to see, you know, Obi-Wan dressed like what would later become a stormtrooper, you know, is, is powerful mm-hmm. in the Star Wars context, but it is also powerful at evoking of like, yeah, look look what it's like when they are truly knights going out and yeah. fighting. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. And maybe during the Clone Wars, you know, if they're going to have the armor, maybe, hey, pick, pick up a shield and protect your clones.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any other thoughts on this one before we take a break? Nah, I loved it. Great stuff, Darth One. And at the end, of the, I got the, the the live action version of Bo-Katan's shields was one of my favorite little details of that third chapter.
3: Yeah, and, and speaking of hacking and slashing, mm-hmm. <laughs> to prove that I can say it correctly, I love everything they've been doing with the uh, with Din, like that absolute butchery in the butcher shop in Book of yeah. Boba Fett, and then getting to see Bo-Katan wield it so uh, much more uh, fluidly was awesome. Indeed, indeed. And looking forward to more. Maybe we've already seen more by now, but uh, we are going to take a quick break and we will be back with our questions from our patrons on Patreon. Back in a
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot,
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
3: And we are back to answer more cues. We're going to our patrons from Patreon. This one comes to us from David Hemker. David says, greetings, Force Center. Like many of the questions submitted to you, I, too, would like to start by saying how much I appreciate your thoughtful, open-minded, and overall positive approach to all things Star Wars. The podcast has been a regular on my daily commute for the past couple of years, and I have you in the Force to thank for my decrease in road rage incidents. Uh, <laughs> pause there for a moment to say thank you very much uh, for the compliment. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, They're not necessary <laughs> for questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you for the kind words, and thank you, for uh, David, for sharing how and when you listen, that it's a commute and that it uh, helps with road rage because that does relate to the rest of David's questions. Uh, any thoughts on that before I read the rest of David's questions?
4: I, I think I need to listen to Force Center when I'm driving to avoid <laughs> the road rage I sometimes have in LA. My road rage is, is in check. It's, when it explodes, it explodes. And that's what I get. So I need to just put on some data bank dive when that happens.
3: No, I, I, I understand. I'll share some some road rage uh, thoughts here in a moment. Here's the rest of uh, David's question. David says, my question is a bit of my own head cannon, but I was curious about your thoughts in A New Hope. When Vader strikes down Obi-Wan on the Death Star, Luke screams no before firing at the stormtroopers across the hangar. His shots here appear to be way more accurate than just before. Here he has three troopers within seconds versus two total en route to, Falcon, to the Falcon with Leia. Uh, he also hits the door controls on his first attempt when Han shouts blast the door kid. Do you think that Luke was unknowingly tapping into the dark side of the force in that moment? And maybe that helped with his aim. If so, and if Obi Wan's voice telling him to run hadn't snapped him out of it, what do you think the result could have been? Thanks, and may the force be with you. May the force be with you, David, on the road and at all times. Uh, yeah, so let's let's get into this. Um, yeah, the, uh, just I think this relates to the dark side. <laughs> yep, yep, okay. uh, the I did relate to the road ridge thing because because I have gotten you know mm-hmm. angry on the road and in it times when I can be calm and just let other people go in front and all that stuff. It's so great. Mm-hmm, I picked mm-hmm. my wife up uh, at uh, LAX last night and I was feeling in a calm, peaceful mood at a nice drive uh, and listening to uh, to K-Jazz <laughs>
0: yeah. radio
3: station and it's just funny to see the amount of um, totally, uh, frankly pointless road rage in LAX. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you, if you get mm-hmm. angry, all you're going to do is bend your own fender. Yes. This is frustrating yeah. for all of us. And there is nothing that any of us can do about it. So yeah. let's just all take our take our time. Um, yeah. um, and I've had times that I've been mad in the car, and I've thought about four center and been like, "I should, I should listen to what we talk about and take a deep breath." So mm-hmm. very relatable, David. Mm-hmm. How do you feel, Ken, about uh, this idea that Luke is possibly tapping into the dark side?
4: I really like it. I have a, I have a. Sort of a counter pitch to it, I'll go into. But I actually really like it in terms of the direct question of you know if he hadn't run, Obi Wan doesn't snap him out of it. What do you think? What do you think the result? I I, quite frankly could have been dead, but I think more than anything captured, right? And and that's Mm -hmm. probably what Vader would have wanted. And we got a whole new different set of circumstances. And now Leia needs to hopefully go back and rescue him. Maybe that that would that would have been Empire Strikes Back. No, um, so but I like the dark side thing. Um, there's a lot of set all those kind of dark side things, right? Pop up. You got a lot of fear, doubt, anger, confusion, rage, all of it. Uh, and that, as Yoda always preaches, is is maybe the quicker path, a little more seductive. And look at that. You're hitting you're hitting targets from miles away now. Don't you want to keep that <laughs> going? I can get behind that vibe. And I, and I think uh, I'm thankful, regardless of where we land on uh, the themes and everything behind it. I'm glad Obi-Wan was there to snap him out of.
3: No, I agree. I think I think it's it's vital that Luke leaves, uh, you know, hey, to get the plans (laughs) to the rebellion. But, yeah, I think he's he's captured. He's killed. Uh, Vader, you know, uh, maybe make some connection to who he is. Uh, It's extremely important that Luke goes at that moment, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think uh, the result could have been bad for absolutely everybody if uh, Luke didn't turn. I think it's part of Obi-Wan's sacrifices. Vader is distracted by w- what is happening, what is going on. I, I mm-hmm. have to have, have, have this victory I've always wanted in him. Also, how did he even in death <laughs> defy me again? Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I really agree with what you're talking about with, um, with kind of the... the idea of what the the analogy of anger in the dark side is in in star wars um mm-hmm. i really like this headcanon that he's tapping into the force and maybe a little bit uh, of the dark mm-hmm. side um i guess you could make the argument that for the most part the other stormtroopers are shooting at him and he's just <laughs> opening up on some stormtroopers mm-hmm. who are hanging out watching a cool fight <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey what's going on the wizards but he, the wizards are fighting the wizards are fighting uh, yeah mm-hmm. um But I I think there's an utter precision. Hamill certainly plays it with anger, right, and pain. Um, And this all tracks to me with with, uh, the analogy of Star Wars, uh, Yoda's lessons that you're talking about of quicker, easier, more seductive, Mm -hmm. and what I've experienced in my own life. I think that, you know, Palpatine says uh, anger gives you focus. Mm -hmm. And I think he's right. And that's, I think, where the illusion of power comes from, right? When there, I've had times in my life where I get angry and it feels good because the anger pushes me past every other emotion. It Mm -hmm. pushes me past fear, anxiety, caution. It makes me focus on just the thing I want right now. And it makes me feel powerful and effective. Mm -hmm. And I think Luke is—he's not worrying about. Am I going to be hit by those (laughs) stormtroopers? Right. right. You know, he's—he's past fear. He's past anxiety. He's caution. All he's thinking about is they got to go down right now. Mm -hmm. They have to pay for this, you know. And you know, same thing with the door. The door has to close, right? Um, So I think it's this great analogy that yes, anger can give you focus, but it's a fleeting power um, unless you turn that that focus into something more productive. And I think kind of the, the whole lesson of the light side and the strength of the light side is, yeah, you can achieve that level of focus r- real quick through anger and lashing out. Um, hmm. But if you master your fear and your anxiety and, and maybe being overcautious by looking at them fully, acknowledging them and trying to find a way past them, you can get to that same level of focus uh, instead of just burying them with your anger and, mm-hmm. and acting on that and all those ideas that are in star wars uh, i've never really put them to this scene but i think they're really there you know it it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a fun lore question of did he tap into the force did he tap into the dark side but even even if he didn't the mm-hmm. sort of moral lesson of what's what's happening there is really interesting to think about
4: yeah and even we've talked about it here too of like it's so easy to you know ta- like you said tapping at it the, the the dark side or tap into the force even Bo Katan with grogu like you're good at force like she has that like kind of <laughs> you,
5: you
4: you good at forcing um it is it but but the force is really uh, it, it's about the day-to-day choices of those day-to-day moments and the light and, dar- and dark exi- dark existing everywhere um whether you're a space wizard or not so i think i can go with you on that the big powerful thing and, and it's a beautiful wonderful wonderful breakdown on, on what actually is there what actually is happening. I, like I said, I have a counter when we're ready for it, but it's in the same ballpark. It's just a different point of view. I want to hear the counter. Okay, here's my counter. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, again, I also want to submit, I, I think a lot of what we talked so far, so far, I think is, this isn't about a right or wrong answer, but I, I just think that it just works for Star Wars in so many ways. But, it, but there's a lot of things that's very similar. It's just a twitch on it there. If in that moment, in that moment, Ben's died, um, what if all those things around him that we'd seen prior to this on the death star or removed fear, doubt, anger, all this stuff that, uh, he's running around. He's he's out of his element. He's, he's doing some great things. He's rescuing a princess, getting trapped in a trash compact. He doesn't quite know. And he has that doubt. You just go through that life every day. You get on a stage, right? Uh, Do I, uh, are my jokes written? Do I know my, what am I doing? Is the crowd going to like me? What am I doing? And you can make some mistakes. And so what, just in that moment, he instincts um, take over. It's mm-hmm. all clear. He's focused because of what he's just seen happen there. And he wasn't blocked in that moment. He wasn't in his head. You almost say he's in his own sports wise. And, and, and all that was removed. All those things that trip us off, all those things that might lead to anger and doubt and just uh, some sort of uh, failure in terms of uh, the missions, not a success, all those kind of things that you're running around the desk Star, going in uh, 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 that moment. You're like, Oh, this is what it's all about. And, and that's why I can suddenly, suddenly hit things from, from a mile away or whatever the distance was. But still, it all leads into Obi-Wan's voice for me. Um, it is a snapping out of the moment, but it's definitely a, I'm gone. You've got to go. You've got to let go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're still on the dark side. All that stuff, all that sport zone thing you're experiencing and you're killing stormtroopers and you're shutting doors down and great. You blocked Vader. But if, if you don't let go of me, all this is is for not and, mm. and putting life your journey forward and so it's still kind of the same spot i still think it's dark side stuff in terms of the lessons uh you know but sometimes i experience that where if you just have too much too much time to think about it or too much uh not over preparation is not a bad thing but just for me i i i, I need to sometimes just feel the flow go with my instincts and all those silly little things in my brain um, which are of the dark side. I can't do this. I don't belong here. Oh, this isn't good. Oh, I'm so mad. All those things can f- sometimes fade away when I am uh, jolted out of it. And um, but all of all for not. If you don't move forward, change, and grow, and, and let go. Yeah. No. I
3: I, I really love uh, what you're saying, and I, I think it is meaningful to what you're saying and and to the question that this sequence ends with. Uh, Luke being convinced to let it go being convinced to redirect uh mm-hmm. this energy from shooting those stormtroopers isn't going to bring obi-wan back and it isn't going to help them particularly escape yeah and he is let go of of that anger that focus and redirected towards actually doing something productive <laughs> which yeah. is shooting shooting the door yeah and i really agree with you i think we're saying uh, similar things of
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And getting
3: getting caught up in in all of those things that that hold you back. I also just uh, I, I'm taking with this because I think there's just such a difference in uh Mark Hamill's performance of yeah, yeah, yeah. he's making these great shots on the stormtroopers a- and it's anger you know it's it's yeah. you you took something from me uh and then he's convinced to let go let go of all those anxieties but mm-hmm. then you compare that to taking out the Death Star right like. Mm-hmm that the look on his face is concentration precision it's not this is for bigs a-holes <laughs> you know um
4: maybe one percent maybe one yeah, percent yeah,
3: yeah maybe one percent right. Right? right but it, it is you know it it is more purely about getting past all of the things that hold you back right get get past the idea that you're a farm boy who can't do this and everybody tells you that the targeting computer is the way to do it and if you try to do it without a yeah. targeting computer you'll fail put all that away listen to your gut Trust yourself, um, is is the
4: lesson. Yeah, all that kind of found there in that moment. Love it, love it. Yeah,
3: great stuff. Very fun discussion. Uh, I can't wait to rewatch that scene and give it even more thought. We're gonna move on to our final question from James Pasqualucci. Uh, James says, "Hello there, four center." Before I ask my question, I wanted to again give my <laughs> <the> <laughs> deepest gratitude for welcoming me and everyone in this community to your wonderful show, for your wonderful answers, and your thought-provoking insight that continues to inspire me. Uh, thank you very much. The kind words are very much appreciated. Uh, these were the next two questions up in a row. I did not pick two questions that started uh, with compliments, and uh, very, very much uh, appreciate them, but also not, uh, <laughs> not a prerequisite of answer, asking a question. Uh, here is James' question. Uh, My question for today is about Coruscant in the evolution of its loyalty to the rights of the galaxy. We know that Coruscant has always been a planet of privilege, being the heart of the Republic for years. And for years after the Empire was established, the residents were largely happy to continue under this new regime. By the time of Return of the Jedi, we see them in open celebration of the Empire's fall, complete with crashing statues of old Sheev, tossed stormtroopers and fireworks. Around the time of the book Bloodline, I believe Coruscant supported a more centralized government with the centrists and that there may have been First Order sympathizers there too. But after the Battle of Exegol, thanks to the junior novelization of Rise of Skywalker, we know that they were in open revolt against the First Order. All this is to ask what made the residents of Coruscant realize the evil of the Empire First Order and take a stand? What made them listen to Mon Mothma's words and realize the error of their definition of wrong? Thanks again for all you do, and may the force be with you. May the force be with you, James. That is a fascinating question. Uh, I want to throw in a little bit of, of context from Wikipedia on this one as well. Mm. Um, so during the New Republic era, uh, Coruscant was not the capital, uh, that, that gets, you know, moved around, uh, to Chandrila, to Hazian Prime. Um, and I, we don't have a ton of storytelling about that. Uh, but according to, uh, Wikipedia, And the character Hondo, here's what's going on in Coruscant (laughs) during the New Republic. So you can decide how much you want to trust Wikipedia and Hondo, listeners. Uh, But here is the paragraph. Despite being a part of the New Republic, the planet actually fell under the control of criminal syndicates after the Empire's fall. By the time following the Battle of Krait in 34 ABY, even the respectable areas of Coruscant were roamed by gangs. Gangs fought a bloody conflict for control of the glittering world's districts. Districts Tourism to the once galactic capital all but vanished, and for an individual to be safe, they needed to afford protection like droids and armed guards. Accordingly, the city world was not a symbol of galactic possibilities. Instead, it represented the disturbing realities of the galactic's current time period. The pirate Hondo Onaka, who was saddened by Coruscant's current state, included the planet in his book titled, galactic explorers guide within the book ra7 protocol droid dkra43 described coruscant's fall from grace into lawlessness as one of the greatest tragedies of their current era in 35 aby coruscant was in an open rebellion against the first order so uh i think all of that is from this one book galactic explorers guide so as always, you know, Wikipedia does a great job of, of capturing everything. This is uh, storytelling that's in place from this one book. Maybe it'll get shifted, but for now, that's a little bit of the picture of what happens to Coruscant after the Empire and into the New Republic. It is not the center of things anymore, and it falls into uh, some control of, uh, of disreputable people. Uh, did you ha- have you read the Galactic Explorer's Guide? Is this news to you? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Do you uh, trust Hondo? <laughs> I trust Hondo. Uncle Hondo, I trust him. Uh that is for the most part news to me. Like, yeah, I think almost 99% news to me. May have heard some scraps somewhere, but um yeah, that makes me even think different about maybe my answer. So I like that. That's great context.
3: Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I mean, it, it is definitely, you know, uh, some more rich storytelling and we've been getting a lot of chorus on with Andor and with Mandalorian, so Ooh. hoping for more. Mm-hmm. Um so where do you start with
4: this, Ken? I, I start in the overall vibe up top here with, with James uh, talking about, uh, you know, just it is it is a planet of, of privilege. And, and, and there's nothing you can do about that other than choose to look beyond that. Right. We've talked a, a lot about that of, of um, you know, a, a Empire, New Republic. They're all I can't t- keep track. They're all the same. Some of the quotes we've heard in various ways in Andor and, and now Mandalorian. Um, you have to choose to push past that. You have to choose to connect. You have to choose to see who might be affected by changing regimes or changing policies or just policies in general. I think that's a big lesson that is at, at the at the core of this. Uh, complacency will set in. I think um, I think it had set in, not just this Hondo information uh, aside. Um, I, and I look going to the end of this year of, of why. Um, you could just say, well, some heirs of the way. I think the simple simple way is Lando showed up and said, hey, be better. Um, I think that. But I think there's – it's, it's, especially at the Battle of Mexico type here, there's a lot of maybe the next generation did not want to keep repeating what had happened before, including, hey, this fell into the wrong hands because of reasons X, Y, and Z. And we want to make a difference when we part of this. And now's the time. Uh, so much of the sequel trilogy being uh, how you deal with what's hanging Over you and what came before you, and what's your place in that, and what's your place going forward. And and it seems like it was kind of a not a good spot, bum deal, right? Bum deal going on in Corson. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we are choosing to be part of the solution. Uh, And maybe it just took a couple generations because 30, what are we looking at 30 years, Mm -hmm. 35 ish years? years, Yeah. I mean, just think of it. Think of it now. That means you got people running for office. uh, who probably might not have even been alive when the battle of Yavin and Endor and all that stuff happened. So, hey, we're, we're going to make a change to be better. And now's the time. We just needed good people to lead us to give us the confidence. Mm.
3: Yeah, no, I, I like I, I like that idea that uh, that in the era of Rise of Skywalker, that, that mm. Coruscant might have uh, benefited from some of the Inspiration, uh, the uh, the yeah. resistance being the spark that lit the fire. Um, that it, it's great to think that some of those acts might might have truly made a difference and reached Coruscant on reach people on Coruscant and the idea that you you can make a difference, you you can stand up. You know, yeah,
4: yeah. The absolutely.
3: lessons of uh, Luke and Rose and reaching Coruscant is a really beautiful idea. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, kind of going going to the the beginning of this timeline of of the. What do the people of Coruscant uh, believe in? Are they clear about their beliefs? Are they just responding to what they see? What I start with is just the idea that, that Coruscant really does contain multitudes. Um, mm-hmm. Coruscant, you know, in visually, at least partially even inspired, you know, by the film films like Metropolis – Uh, but we actually get to see it in action in in storytelling is that there's a rigid class structure and it's, Mm -hmm. it's literal right there. There are the people in the penthouses, the people in the middle and the people way down in the lower levels. So one of the things I start with is, well, every time we see the reactions of the people of Coruscant, either we explicitly know who on Coruscant we're talking about, or sometimes like in the shots at the end of return of the Jedi, we don't know, you know, there is, we don't zoom in yeah. and see that, ah, those are aristocrats <laughs> <laughs> now willing to ruffle their robes by tossing that stormtrooper about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so sort of, uh, this comes partially from storytelling mm-hmm. that, you know, can point to evidence and partially fully acknowledging headcanon. But I think what we've, we've seen in the story is that during the empire's reign, uh, the, the rich and the powerful on Coruscant, the penthouse people, mm-hmm. um, not all of them, but some that we have seen, uh, didn't perceive any change to their lives. The Empire was truly no different than the Republic. And then the New Republic isn't that different than the Empire because their lives Mm -hmm. didn't really change. And if they did, uh, they successfully blamed it on, you know, uh, rebels and dissidents and Mm rabble-rousers causing problems out in the galaxy, right? Yeah. Um, this is explicitly going on with Perrin. It's explicitly going on at Mon Mothma's dinner party. We, we get that perspective from the aristocrat talking to Pershing, right? Yeah. So I think for the era of the empire, for the powerful people on Coruscant is just like, well, business as usual, What what's the problem? So that leads me to think like that scene in at the end of Return of the Jedi is like, Hey, that's not that's not Perrin. <laughs> Perrin's not putting like, his back into, into into push and sheave. Uh that that aristocrat who, who talked to Pershing uh was locked in his penthouse. Mm-hmm. as the people from the mid to lower levels who felt decades of inequality mm-hmm. restriction on their movements. Uh P- Perrin could probably go wherever he wanted and gamble whatever he wanted and maybe stormtroopers were gonna break his kneecaps. Uh mm-hmm. but the The people on the lower levels, stormtroopers could come down there and do whatever they wanted. Right. Yeah. Uh, And there would be no justice. I think it's the people who lived in the middle and the lower levels who are pushing over Sheev and tossing that stormtrooper around at the end of
4: Return of the Jedi. I mean, especially if you, you know, spend some time hanging out there with Trace and Rafa and that that era, that stuff. I love You know, right. It's it's 1313 coming up to toss over some statues.
3: Yeah, I would love it if you if you could super zero in on the special edition and the, the people uh, tossing the structure around are Trace and Rafa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
4: yeah, and I love that. I love that take on it. Yeah, it's a snapshot. It's it's a, it's a small moment in Star's history, but we haven't spent a lot of time in the details of it. And people maybe, are getting really go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, maybe we will in future storytelling. Yeah, yeah, no. I I would love
3: if we continue this storytelling to to see a scene of like that the aristocrat. You know, from uh, talking to Pershing Watching in horror from his penthouse As the, the people yes. push that statue And you're like, oh, geez
4: <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely Yeah, yeah, and, and they can't it, can't come down Masamita up there, you know, he's he Masamita yes. is probably up there in the tower looking like Saruman At the uh, end of two towers Where he's just watching ants destroy everything And he's like, <laughs> oh, I can't, I'm not going down there <laughs> nope. Nope. nope.
3: Monsumita's locking the doors. And, you know, talking about class things in, in big ways, obviously, I, I'm sure that the Empire managed to swindle uh, some people of lower income to, to believe that everything was great uh, on Coruscant. And as we see from characters like Mon Mothma and Vel, uh, that mm-hmm. people who have a lot of money and power can also resist it. So I'm um, mm-hmm. painting paint with a broad brush on these fictional characters, but. Uh, that that's the story I'm, I'm seeing. Um, the, I think it's really, really fascinating then to, to look at the difference between the Empire and the First Order, right? Mm. We, as the audience, can kind of look outside and say, oh, it's, it's the uh, same philosophy, it's the same dogma. The First Order is explicitly trying to say to the galaxy, the New Republic is weak and broken, and your lives are worse. We're the Empire, but better. We are the Empire 2.0, uh, stronger, more control, better. Um, so you can look at it as the people on Coruscant going, ah, I'm I'm looking at these philosophies and comparing them. But to me, what I think about viscerally when I think about living on Coruscant, uh, even if your life wasn't great, so you're kind of a, a midway down in the, in the skyscrapers mm-hmm. during the era of the Empire, you didn't totally like it but your planet was the capital of the government. Uh, you maybe didn't like the emperor, but he was your emperor, right? Mm. Uh, if the, the the New Republic government has left Coruscant, uh, it's in not great shape. They're, they're, you know, crime lords, all that. Mm. Snoke and Kylo, in the whole First Order, they see themselves as a continuation of the empire. But to that person who lived through the empire, who's still alive on Coruscant, I think they're invaders, right? I don't mm. think it's... Take the pamphlet and go, ah, their dogma's, dogma's the same, and I used to kind of support the Empire. I'll support the right, First man. Order. They're invaders. They're from the unknown regions, and mm. they're, they're wearing the insignias. They're flying ships that look like the old ones, but they're coming from the outside, not to save you from crime lords, but to also put you under their boot. It's just much easier right. to see the First Order as invaders to be resisted than even if you didn't like the Empire... You were the empire.
4: Yeah, I, I like that. Oh, I like that idea. Um, they're are, there are imposters in a way, but dangerous in their own. I mean, empire, empire, pretty dangerous, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the First Order has this extra edge to them that they're out for this kind of um, vengeance. They've been personally wronged by you, you You took our power, you took our emperor, but it's a different vibe, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, the, the policies are far reaching and destructive on a level. Uh, not currently offered in this time period by the, the other crime lords, but yeah, I, I I like what you're saying that that you're sitting up there going, well, no, nah, that's still still not good, not what I had.
3: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's just easier to separate it from mm-hmm. yourself, right? Yeah. Um, it, and we still haven't seen some of this storytelling too, like the way in the Force Awakens, Han and Leia are very aware of Snoke, the First Order as a political faction. Is known. It's just assumed that, like, okay, they're you know, okay, I guess I guess they, you know, took over a couple of these planets here in the outer rim, but they're not really gonna invade the galaxy. They're not gonna invade Coruscant. Like, we we still haven't seen that story. We haven't seen really like uh, when the First Order revealed themselves to the galaxy at large, came out of the unknown regions, you know. Was Snoke yeah. the, did Snoke go on, you know, Holonet talk shows and make a pitch mm-hmm. <laughs> for mm-hmm. people to invest in, in the philosophy of the first order? Or was it truly from people's perspective in invasion from the unknown regions, from the outside?
4: It's a great question. Cause I almost want a little, little column A, little column B. Like did Snoke run for <laughs> chancellor? Like third party <laughs> candidate you need. I'm a disruptor. I'll <laughs> this one. Come on in here. Um, and then that didn't work. And then, or, you know, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe something paved the way for the, what you're talking about. It is fascinating. It, it's some. It's part of the, the little details that Force Awakens lays out there. That I think over the years, sometimes I wish I had a little bit more of a, a lay of the land, the, the state of the galaxy kind of vibe of Force Awakens. It didn't need to do that. It wasn't setting out to do that. Um, you can apply all the reasons why you think that was the case. But I, I the, the, the Snoke thing, knowing Snoke, um, I love that. I'm intrigued by that.
3: Yeah, and, and, and is it because... Luke encountered him, and and they wow. know him. Or does the galaxy? Does does a whole galaxy know? Yeah, <laughs> third party candidate Snoke, <laughs> promising everybody, you know, uh, peace in our time and gold robes for all. Yeah,
4: yeah, because I think at the time I took it as Luke, right? As Luke knew Snoke, there was something there. Was something kind of smaller in terms of Snoke, but you definitely get the idea. That's what's going on. The First Order is this very public threat. People are aware of that. They either didn't take serious. Or, um, you know, look what's going on. Look, look, the, the Colossus, Star Wars Resistance, right? You're mm-hmm. very aware who they are. They've been there. They've been there. Uh, and that's Right, why. you're right. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, and they're
3: doing exactly what, you know, what mm-hmm. we're talking about of, like, they're not, they're, they're just in their little sec- sector of space. Yeah, they're taking things. Okay, okay. Yeah. And this brings us all the way back to <laughs> the first question. I think the real criticism of the New Republic, you know, maybe you know mothma could have set it up better but mothma's not there anymore leia's trying and that's the failure as as the first order is moving in on places like the colossus Mm -hmm. people are not responding to the threat because they don't want to go back to this right they don't want to believe it and that i'm that i I really want star wars to dive in because that's such a real world thing abrams has talked about it in interviews of that idea of uh in, in okay Yep, in in the past people who have used the word this the label Nazi have done X. Now mm-hmm. these people are calling themselves Nazis, but they're not really Nazis, right? Or they're saying the exact same thing as the Nazis did, but they're not really going to do that, right? And like yeah. go, Even going to historical, you know, you know, uh actual uh, uh newspaper mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. discussion of Hitler's just really he's just really using the anger. You know, he's saying some really shocking things, but he's just using that as a savvy political move. He doesn't actually mean that, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think that's the storytelling area that that the First Order is playing around in of, of people not wanting to believe that they really mean, they're, they're not just kind of cosplaying the empire. They really mean it, and they're really going to do it and not taking that seriously soon enough.
4: Yeah, it's not, it's, they're not just a black and white photo from from history's past. They're here, they're real, and um, yeah, I think that's... Uh, love that that definitely is part of the first order particularly force awakens but yeah 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 it's star wars resistance i think is one of those things that just it's easy to overlook the show a lot of people maybe did that's maybe just the harsh reality of that show but it's a great show um definitely has some vibes definitely the things that are that are skewed younger we've discussed that time and time again but there's just some valuable storytelling for that time period in the lay of the land uh going in
3: very right I'm really glad you brought that up because it is, we see some of the things we're talking about to see, we see the people like, yeah, that's in the past. You know, uh, we get to see older people um, like Yeager and and Doza who've been through this and don't want it to be happening. Right. And totally understandably. Right. Just, they just don't, this it's it's not happening again. It can't be.
4: Yeah. Doza and, and, and Jarek Yeager, are two of my favorite characters in star Wars when I stopped to think about it. Right. I think that they don't pop into my head as much as I want them to, but mm-hmm. they just, they're such a Yeager, just this like, yeah, war veteran with scars and losses and, and trauma. And that ain't fun. So of course I'm going to have a, a thought before I step forward into that. And, and yeah. you learn from that. And, and there's so much to explore with that. And those on the other side, you know, yeah, I was there part of the Imperial. Just, I want to run my little, <laughs> my little platform in peace. And that's the starting point of the characters, not where they ended up, of course.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely not. So it might be time for a Resistance rewatch soon as we're getting Ooh. into more of this, uh, celebrating and discussing this, uh, this history of uh, this period of the galaxy, the New Republic, the emergence of the First Order, and uh, all that storytelling that uh, it seems like the Mandoverse is going to explode out into. Great mm-hmm. question. About Coruscant, the people there, their uh, changing loyalties over the years. Uh, I would love also just a history of uh, uh, spend some time with some characters actively resisting the First Order on Coruscant would be awesome. Any uh, any final thoughts?
4: Great thought starter of a question. Love it.
3: Yeah, thank you so much, James. Great question. And we are going to move on to Power of the Light Side This is a segment uh, where we ask patrons to submit something joyful about Star Wars, something they love, a good experience, uh, how it helped them. Uh, If you are a newer patron, uh, just go to the post section, scroll down, you'll see a picture of uh, of Obi-Wan smiling uh, while in lightsaber combat with Darth Vader. Uh, (laughs) And that is where to enter. We have a submission today uh, from Natalie. Here's what Natalie has to say. A love letter to Star Wars 1983 was an important year. Both myself and Return of the Jedi were released to the world. To celebrate the 40th anniversary of my favorite film and my 40th year, I wanted to reflect on some of my early Star Wars memories. I have loved Star Wars as long as I can remember. As a child in the late 80s and early 90s, I used to watch A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi over and over again on VHS tapes my parents had recorded from the television. I loved all three films, but Return of the Jedi was always my favorite. It had so many fun and iconic creatures and scenes. There's of the Hutt, Salacious Beat Crumb, Max Rebo, the Rancor, and the Sarlacc. And that's just the opening of the film. Mm-hmm. We also find out Luke and Leia are twins. The Empire has created a second Death Star. We get an amazing speeder bike chase through the forests of Endor and are introduced to, in my opinion, the best characters in any Star Wars media to date. The Ewoks. The most heartbreaking scene in the film being the death of Nanta and the Ewok. (laughs) As an adult, it still makes me cry. Uh, Death of Nanta, the Ewok, and as an adult, it still makes me cry. To further fuel my love of Ewoks, my parents rented Caravan of Courage, the Battle of Endor, and the animated Ewok series multiple times from our local video store. Princess Nisa from the animated series was a particular favorite of mine. In 1997, something major happened. The special editions of the original trilogy were released at movie theaters. I was so excited. I was going to be able to see Star Wars on the big screen for the first time. My parents took my brothers and I to see all three films at the cinema as they were released. It was an amazing time. It was such a joy to experience the films I loved and had watched so many times at home up on the big screen with surround sound and new effects. I have fond memories of Hoyt's Cinema Star Wars Passports. We got stamped as we saw each film and going to McDonald's to get Star Wars toys in our Happy Meals. Even though I can't watch them anymore, having no VHS players, uh, somewhere I still have this special edition VHS box set with the gold box Invader on the cover that I saved up uh, my pocket money to buy. As an adult, Star Wars continues to bring me so much joy. Every new movie, television series, and book adds to my love of that galaxy far, far away. I hope that magic is never lost. Mm. This is great. This is really wonderful. This is just exactly uh, what Natalie said. It's a, a love letter to Star Wars, taking us through uh, her journey in Beats. And I have to admit, as I read this, I, I, I kept waiting for the time where, like, uh, something dipped, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kept waiting for the twist where, like, and I had some problems with the special edition. Like, no, Natalie has just shared yeah. the love of, of Star Wars, the things uh, that brings joy, the happy associations uh, of of times and places and physical objects like that VHS box set. It's absolutely great. Uh, Ken, what are your thoughts?
4: Ah, oh, man, I absolutely love this one here, that final sentence. I hope that magic is never lost. It, it never will be for you, Natalie, because I think... Um, you're looking at it all in in a very special way. Um, it's easy to get lost along the way. There's so you're so right, There's so many times along the timeline here you you could have been uh, lost, right? And I think I suffered from um, feeling I had to sometimes step away from that magic. Even even when I describe what we do, sometimes uh, ran into some old friends l- lately, right? Hey, what are you up to? How do I explain it? Uh, I talk about Star Wars a lot, right? And uh, it could be, I think that comes from, and I'm always excited and blessed to do it, but it, in explaining it, it just seems weird. I almost feel guilty. But also I think I, 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 it's like, I want to go back and cave into those who, who to- oh, put your toys on the shelf. Stop liking, sorry, it's just that silly space saga. You still watch that? All that stuff. We're, we're told that all the way on this journey. And I think it was nice for me to eventually reconnect with it. Never lost the love of Star Wars but I just felt I had to put a little, 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 you know, a a little, little little, cover the flame, so to speak. Uh, And Natalie, Mm -hmm. what you're talking about is you you never felt you had to cover the flame. Maybe you you felt you did and you pushed past that and you found Mm -hmm. something along the way. Um, Four decades of love in Star Wars. It's a, it's a great thing. And uh, you know, for the Joe Yowz's of it all and (laughs) things along the way um, it's easy just to, to slam your fist on that. It ain't what it was. But look, look for the joy. That's what we do here. So I'll end my my joyful rant there.
3: <laughs> no, I really, uh, I really relate to that. I, I can't remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast. Uh, this is a couple of years ago now. In two thousand twenty one, uh, went back to hometown of Minneapolis for my friends uh, bar crawl and was hanging out with some very good friends. Uh, two of my friends from high school that I've known forever. and We're talking a little bit about the podcast. Uh, one of them, one of my friends, uh, uh, listens, um, and they're with the. A third buddy who I didn't know, I uh, like I knew of him and maybe met him once or twice, but like didn't didn't know him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he was like, "Wait a minute, so you talk about Star Wars how many times a week?" It's like yeah, usually four. Like he was like, "How?" And I was like, "Do you really want to know?" He's like, "Yeah." So I kind of tried to explain, I'm like we do this show, we approach it from that, and it's like, and he's like, "No, no, you can't, you can't." It was just. <laughs> It's, it's not possible. There's not that much to talk about. It's not possible.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and he might've been a little in his cups, but it was just like that. Like, yep. <laughs> yep. Some yeah. people, you know, uh, yeah. feel that way. And, and there, it's, you know, the only limit of things to talk about in Star Wars is, you know, kind of our, our, our time to um, read, watch, <laughs> revisit, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's always so much uh, to talk about in terms of ideas and memories um yeah. and so much in in uh, natalie's uh pieces is, is great because it's a slightly different age than me you know mm-hmm. uh, i was challenged by the ewok uh cartoons when they first came out because of you know lots of uh, silly things now and now i can sit back and enjoy them so like it's so great to hear a different perspective but then there's so much in this that is very much the same i i did not save up pocket money for that vhs box set um I spent uh, money I was supposed to be spending on college on the that VHS box set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have that same absolute fond memory of the thing itself. I still have that box set, even though, yeah, yeah I'm not going to watch it on VHS, you know, but I, I love, love that box set. It's a symbol of that time and that joy.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that time, that joy. And it's just there yeah. staring at you. <laughs> exactly.
3: So thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you for everyone uh, for the great questions, keep uh, uh, being excited about all the new avenues of discussion that are being opened up by the continuing saga of Star Wars. Ken, where can people find us?
4: Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Our Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We're on Instagram as well. And don't forget, as we uh, set up top, we are on YouTube. A lot of cool stuff going over over there and more on the way. So subscribe, hit that notification bell. Podcast is available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Just search. You'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. And patreon.com slash force center is where you can support us directly, as we said. And you can submit power the light slides like this wonderful one. From Natalie today. You can find me at Katnabsock. Go to my website, katnabsock.com, for more, including links to a lot of shows I do, like Cassidy Talk, The Blathering, my YouTube channel, where I now stream games, there, shorts, videos, more on the way over there as well. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah,
3: you can find me on all the social media is at Joseph Scrimshaw. I am on Twitter. I am on Instagram. I'm on Mastodon. So come find me if you're interested. You can also check out my YouTube channel. Just search uh, for Joseph Scrimshaw and check out some of the short films and the comedy and the unboxing videos on my YouTube channel. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for that VHS Special Edition box set, this has been Cues of the Force.